Hello, welcome to CarCast Plus Edmonds, our CarCast of Edmonds podcast. I'm Matt, the moderator, Deandra, here with Alistair Weaver, editor-in-chief, Edmonds.com. I think people are going to start figuring that out eventually, but here at Edmonds.com. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a long title. In fact, that's not my full title, but it's, uh, it makes for a lengthy business card. How are you, Matt? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. Not too bad. Shorter week this week, heading for a little family vacation. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Labor Day is coming up. Um, uh, it's, uh, you know, oftentimes I, I just forget. I forget about the holidays because just so much of, of what I do is kind of work from home and freelance and, you know, running a, you know, doing podcasts and a beverage company that uh, I kind of I kind of forget holidays exist. <laughs> um, it just means you need to cram five days work into four. Yeah, it's kind of what it means. Yeah. Or it means I'm going to leave town and then work on the road or do something on, on the road. But um, but for you, that usually means what it means. You pack up the family and you try to convince them they're going on vacation. But really, you're just testing another vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> so something like that but it is it's really like in my job i have a very privileged position that i can call upon like a, a fleet of vehicles that edmunds owns or edmunds runs but also test cars that we have in and we get through about 300 a year or so but it's like it, it, so it's kind of the kids get used to oh what car we're going in data and well you know and they yeah. they love trucks they absolutely there's something about you know, despite being a Brit with a French wife, I was going to say your babies adore. are American. Your well, kids babies are American. Are American they, and they, they want, love they trucks. Want trucks. <laughs> I, yeah. I brought a Raptor R home the other week, and like the excitement on my four-year-old's face was was <laughs> was, was just amazing. So uh, I, I don't I don't know. There must be something in like human psychology that just a really loud V8 and a massive truck does does important things to you. I listen. The feeling that we get a four-year-old with that truck is the same we get at forty-four-year-old with that with that truck. So yeah. I, I get it. it. It doesn't go away. It doesn't go away. It doesn't away at go all. away. And it's it's something that can't be taught and is, is instinctive, which I love. Um but anyway, this time it was like put the money where the mouth is. So we're gonna take the the Rivian truck, which Edmunds owns as part of we buy cars as part of our fleet. We've talked about this before on the show. We've done about fourteen thousand miles in it since we had it, and we were one of the first people to actually get a Rivian in the US. And I was like, right, we love the truck. It's going to be, you know, great for heading up the coast. But of course, then you've got to build in this range anxiety. And it's less about the range anxiety on the truck, which will do like you know, 250, 300 miles realistically uh, heading up the highway. It's more about like, will the infrastructure work when I get there? And it's going to be hot. I've got kids in the back. I'm going to ha- I've got a, a wife who is understandably going to be less than chuffed if we have to queue for a charger and then sit there for an hour. So all these factors just create a, a sense of stress that wouldn't exist if I'd taken the, even the Jeep Cherokee, which is plug-in hybrid, you know, this, this simply wouldn't exist. But, you know, you got to yeah. put your money where your mouth is and kind of like experience it a little bit. So let me ask you, um, why? <laughs> why, why? Why grab the Rivian for the family road trip? You're just trying to throw some obstacles, a little challenge. I mean, I get it. It's a cool, it's a cool vehicle. But as you said, you have access to a fleet of vehicles. Um, why, why pick the Rivian? Okay. Two, two reasons. One, it's a cool truck. Um, secondly, 
most of the vehicles that we now own are EVs because we're heavily focused on EVs. Um, and thirdly, like I actually wanted to experience it for real because this is kind of the job. And you know, one of the probably you've got to get out there and 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 experience. And this is a I'm going from LA to Monterey. Yeah. Um, so just basically heading up the coast and either the five or the one oh one. So this is like a classic Californian journey, LA to to San Francisco. So the infrastructure is pretty good along the road. Uh, but you've still got to, you know, you've still got to piece it, piece it together. I mean, in theory, I've only got to stop once. And, you know, you've got kids, so you've got to stop. So it shouldn't be a drama. You know, you'll stop, the kids will run around, you'll have a pee, and you'll get back in the car. So, uh, yes. Okay, so first of all, uh, the term that keeps coming up again and again and makes sense is more uh, charging anxiety and less range anxiety. Uh you know, because we're so worried about like where we're going to charge. Is it going to be broken? Is it going to work? How long is it going to take? Is it got enough power? And is it quick? Is it slow? It's like, you know, what does it cost? Is it free? Like there's there's a lot of charging questions. Um, uh, you know, so I, I guess the range anxiety part of it is can I make the trip in one shot or not? So um, I don't know. It sounds like you're going to drive about 300 miles. Uh, how much? range yeah, i can't i can't do it in one hit you can't uh i can't do it one hit um, what is the range so you, of the rivian so which 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 rivian did you get and like what's what's the battery size the spec like let's start with so that. this is the this is the r1t launch edition which has the bigger battery so it's the um, pickup so this truck is with the big battery it's the pickup truck with the big battery and EPA says 314 miles. We did the Edmunds EV range test, which basically takes you on a route around Southern California, which is a mix of driving, and we achieved 321 miles. So we marginally beat the EPA, which typically we do. Um, so, of course, you don't run it. We're going to juice it up at home, so it's going to be it's going to stuff it full of electrons. But of course, you don't run it to zero and, you know, you're going to want to give yourself 50, 50 miles or whatever in the same way that you fill up in your gas car when you, you know, when the tank's a quarter full or whatever. So realistically, we're going to go 200, 250, uh, 250 miles most, and then we're going to be looking for a charger. So the Rivian, when you like most EVs now, you go into the vehicle and you can even do this in the app on your phone and it will basically plot out the route and say, OK, charge for 20 minutes here. Uh, this 350 charger then drive for another hour and a half and charge for 10 minutes here and that's the most efficient way of getting to your destination okay and that's fine as long as the chargers aren't busy when you get there and as long as they work and at the weekend i went to my local fast charger which is like all of a mile from where i live pulled in in the truck and uh, just by chance another rivian and r1s pulled in alongside me Neither of us could get the charger to work. And then other people start having problems as well. So there's, I think there's about eight different chargers there. And I had to go through about three or four to actually get one that would work. And I was about to give up and eventually it worked. Now that's a mile from my house and I can charge at home, but on the road trip, like it's got to work. It's got to work. Is once you get to the destination, wherever you're staying in Monterey, is there a charging station there, like at the hotel or something? Can you charge the vehicle there, or do you have to leave the hotel and find another charger? 
Uh, I need to call them and check, actually. I mean, most <laughs> hotels now are putting in... Most hotels now, or, do, you know, sort of more upmarket hotels, should we say, have have charging. But then you also get into the broader conversation about the Rivian, which is it's a big, heavy truck. And it's actually... I was going to say the truck was the least efficient vehicle we've ever tested. Uh, but actually, that's not true because it was recently beaten by the R1S, which is the SUV version of the Rivian. <laughs> Um, but to give you some sort of context, it uses twice as much juice as a Tesla Model 3. Right. So in simple terms, you can say that it's going to take twice as long to charge. It's not quite as straightforward as that because it's all to do with how the software and the hardware works to charge charge the vehicle. So it's it's simplifying it a little bit. But in general terms, it's going to take twice as long as your Tesla to charge. And if you feel, I mean, that's no different to a gas car, right? If you have a a Mustang versus a Prius or something, it's going to take twice as long to gas to you know to fuel up the Mustang for the same number of miles. But if it's two minutes versus four minutes, who cares? If it's twenty minutes versus forty minutes, or forty minutes versus sixty minutes, then that makes a big difference. Yeah, it does. Right? Have you guys seen any improvements to that process? since owning the Rivian? Has there been any updates, any over-the-air updates? Uh, it, it It's not going to just be a software issue because of the size of the battery. It's got no, a massive it, battery, but it, is there a, has there been any ways to make that better? I mean, all we're about to launch a... We're just doing an entered a partnership to, to test charging speed. So... There isn't a normal way of measuring charging speed at the moment. Like how long are you going to how long are you going to sit there waiting for it to charge? Because what people tend to do, sorry, long winded answer, but I get that. What people tend to do is is quote something that makes them look good. So they'll either quote like ten to ninety, twenty to eighty percent, thirty to seventy, or a peak charging speed, or whatever it may be. But we're actually going to go out and analyze like how all these vehicles work. And how, you know, because charging speed differs dramatically from from vehicle to vehicle and they can adjust it with over the air updates. So, you know, but what you've got in the case of my experience at the weekend, I don't believe it was actually a Rivian issue. It was actually a I think it's probably more likely an EV go issue because other people were struggling as well. So you've got this feeling like you you have this moment when you plug in where the technology in the car has to mesh with the technology in the charger. And then at some point, you know, it all turns green and you're charging, but there is that innate stress in, will this work? Right. So uh, when I was up in Monterey and I was talking with Jim Farley from Ford, he had just done a road trip in a Ford lightning. He didn't drive across the country, but he like, I don't know, like flew into San Francisco and drove from San Francisco down to L.A. to Orange County and back up and around like he spent a couple of days and made a bunch of stops and four dealers and customers and whatever. And uh, when I sat down with him, I said, you know, tell me a little bit about your experience with driving the Lightning, doing your road trip, because I have a Lightning as well. And although I mostly charge it here in my warehouse, I do occasionally charge it at a public station and my experience is uh it it is not 
pleasant. It is a bit of a mess. It's hit or miss. Um, you can you you think that there's a you know one charger open in a line of five chargers, and you realize that one's open because somebody ran over the plug so many times that the plug is smashed, uh, and it, it won't attach to a vehicle or it won't charge. Um, and the apps and stuff are not always completely accurate. It says there's a charger open, but it doesn't know that the plug is smashed. So it's forever open. But, you know, so it's kind of like, oh, do you roll into a, you look on your app or you look on the vehicle and you're like, here's a charging station with five chargers. One of them is open. To me, I think that one is broken. If I don't see at least two open, then I'm like, it's because it's broken. So I don't even I don't even register. I'm like, I'm 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 not going, oh, I'm gonna go get the one. If I hurry, I can beat the next Tesla there. No, I'm just assume it's broken. If there's not at least two <laughs> available, then I'm not even gonna stop. Uh and talking to, to Jim about it, he was he basically again, he brought up the term charge anxiety. He goes, Yes, you get this charge anxiety. Is is it going to work? Uh, is the charging station open? Can you access the charger? Like like we were just saying, I might find a charger that pops up in a parking lot nearby, but it's in a lot with a gate and it's in, you know, it's behind like a Marriott, you know, valet and I can't get to it unless I'm staying at the hotel. So it popped up on my phone, but it's not something I can get to, right? Which happened to me like down in Irvine. I was going to an event and... I saw three charging stations in the area. One of them was in a parking garage, but it was for a corporate building that you can't access. There's a gate, you can't get to it. The other one was in a parking lot of a hotel, which you needed a key card to get to. I couldn't get it. And then the third one was one that I was able to get to, again, in a parking garage at a business complex. They just happened to have the gate open and I got and I got to it and it worked. But not not the ideal situation. It wasn't a clear indication of going, this is a public charger that you can access because it's not behind you know a gate of some sort or it's in a shopping mall or it's at the Grove or it's in Santa Monica or like, you know, like I don't, it is less than ideal. <laughs> the the whole it, task. It is. And I thought the, the, the Farley thing was, was really interesting because- I actually bumped into him at, at Car Week as well. And he's, you know, this guy's the CEO of Ford. And one of the problems with being a CEO of Ford is you can just imagine that everything's private jet and chauffeurs and everything, because your time is so precious that you're, you know, the company wants you working, not driving. Yeah. And it's a hard, I thought it was a great exercise to actually go out there and, you know, experience it, experience it firsthand. And of all the, all the big car bosses, actually, he's been probably the most, I hesitate to say honest, but the, probably the most open about the challenges and about the fact that if you're driving, you know, a couple of hundred miles or you live in, you know, you live in an urban area it, and you can charge at home, then they make total sense and they have major benefits over internal combustion. But if you're living, you know, in a, in a farm in Wyoming or whatever, and it's probably not the choice for you. So I think what he did and what he's been saying makes uh, makes a lot of sense, especially as somebody who's at the forefront of, you know, trying to 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 drive EV EV adoption. 
And I think it's take, I, I've spoken to a few sort of like senior execs within the industry. And I think it's all take them a long time to realize, and Porsche actually with the Taycan took a long time to get their heads around this as well, is that it's not about just building a product anymore. Right. It's about the whole experience and simply relying on third parties, EVGO, Electrify America and everybody else to solve the problem or the state simply hasn't worked, which is why now we're seeing all the big OEMs club together to try and either either set up their own infrastructure or get into bed with Tesla, whose system is way better and much more reliable, by the way, to try and access tracks access their infrastructure. Because they've realized like the biggest deterrent is not the vehicle. The biggest deterrent is now the infrastructure. The vehicle's actually fine and probably 300 miles and then you have like a 20, 30 minute charge. That's fine. It's just that, you know, as you say, too many are broken. They're in stupid places. You have to queue and you have this kind of paranoia that it might not work. Then what happens? Right, right. So let me... You mentioned the Tesla thing. Yes, so many car companies are getting on board with being able to, you know, they partner with Tesla so they can start using Tesla chargers. And as that starts to roll out, um, that's not going to come without its fair share of problems, right? Like in certain areas, there's already a line of Teslas waiting to get charged. Now, if you're introducing all of these other companies, uh, you know, is this going to be a fast problem? Like it's going to be very quick. Like all of a sudden, you know, Fords and Chevys and stuff are going to start rolling out with, with Tesla plugs and now good luck getting, getting time at a Tesla charger or is Tesla going to be able to invest all this partnership money into more chargers fast enough uh, that it may not be as painful seems like putting chargers in is going to be way more time consuming than signing a partnership deal <laughs> and and letting everyone else use your chargers yeah even with all the lawyers involved it for yeah if you look at it ford i think he's going to have access to twelve thousand of tesla's tesla's got about twenty thousand um charging uh char charged across the u.s that's a, and it's about, I think it's like six, just over 60% of fast chargers in the US are Tesla chargers at the moment. So Ford's got access to just over half of that. And then Tesla's saying we need to triple the number of superchargers that we have across the nation. But by 2030. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to be really interesting. And the other part of that is, you know, the big reason to buy a Tesla was the infrastructure and you're going to be mighty, mighty upset if you turn up in your Model Three and some, you know, a Mac E sat there, you know, plugged plugged in, and then yeah. all the all, all the rest of it. So, yeah, it's 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 a bit of a mess. And you know, they're now saying that uh, you know this. Uh, I think General Mo General Motors, Volvo, Polestar, Mercedes, they're all going to go to the Tesla charging system, which means a different plug. So it's almost like a you and I are probably old enough to remember like VHS and Betamax. It's that yeah. kind of moment where probably everybody will normalize around the Tesla plug rather than the um, the CCS plug, which is the one that you get on at the moment on every other every other VV, AV. So you've got half the industry saying, we're going to go down the Tesla route and basically back Tesla to ramp their infrastructure fast enough. Then you've got another group which is BMW, GM, Honda, Hyundai, Kia, Mercedes, 
And they're now going, they're now basically saying we're going to club together and create our own network of 30,000 fast chargers. Because I think they're basically saying, look, if we're trying to, if we're serious about this and we're going to try and sell more EVs, we've got to solve this problem ourselves because nobody else is going to do it for us. Because at the moment you've got like, I think about 36,000 charging plugs in the fast charging plugs in the, in, in, uh, no, sorry, you got about eight. Yeah, about thirty-six thousand. Let me get my facts right. About thirty-six thousand fast charging plugs in the U.S., which is not a lot for three hundred and fifty million people. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. Has anybody looked up how many gas stations we have? <laughs> because it seems to be every. What What is Mercedes' plan? Because it seems like I don't know. Six months ago, maybe it was a year ago. Mercedes, you know hit us with a press release and all these fancy concept renderings of what looks like a super high-end shell station, but it was Mercedes and Mercedes going, we're going to start building out these, these like gas station, like charging facilities and they're going to be accessible to everyone. But if you have a Mercedes, uh, you know, you pay less or it's included with the vehicle and you can reserve a station and you can drive up and you just do it. And if you don't have a Mercedes, uh, you can pay and you can still use it, but maybe you don't get the reservation. You you wait in line. But Mercedes had this very optimistic plan of, of building out stations. Now, you're saying, is that just a Mercedes thing or is that part of their partnership with a bunch of other car companies? So Mercedes seems to be having like a boot in each camp. So they're moving across to the Tesla-based system so they can get access to to Tesla chargers. Um, but at the same time, they're also investing in this charging infrastructure with BMW, GM and Hyundai Kia to build out, and Stellantis, to build out their own infrastructure. So I think there's been a realization that nobody can really do this on their own unless you're Elon Musk. And so... Let's all get together and try and try and solve this. Um, and so it's just it's just going to take time. And I think you're going to have a few years of a few years of, of, of relative pain, which is a shame because I think like the, as a product, the EVs are fantastic. We test all of them and they have so many advantages over a gas car. But you've got to get past this. And most people say, OK, it's all right. You charge at home. That's true. That's if you just generally, you know, it is all about, you know, if you are road tripping. And of course, in the US, it's a big country. People do tend to road trip. Yeah, right. I <laughs> I think the, the car companies are realizing the amount of money it's costing to develop EVs and and not just the vehicle, like you were saying with Porsche, it's like they were all focused on building the product and then kind of worried, uh, uh, you know, uh, didn't really worry much about how it was going to get charged because that's somebody else's problem. Um, and now it's all the car companies problems because nobody else is really kind of stepping up and solving the issue. Uh, I, I still haven't really figured out why, you know, all the the oil companies, the Exxon Mobil, Shell, 76s of the world aren't aren't putting something together to have, you know, charging stations at as many gas stations and, and at least in the big areas as as possible. Uh, and 
I'm sure yeah, that has I, to do with I, I franchises and ownership structures and all kinds of stuff with these with these gas stations that, you know, it seems like they'd be wanting to roll out some sort of plan, even if they partnered with a Tesla or, uh, you know, uh, any of the other charging companies and go, listen, we have the real estate, right? And we've got proprietors who's running these stations, these gas stations. Let's partner up and, you know, like, hey, hey, Shell. Shell's going to work with Tesla, as an example, to reach out to as many gas station owners, Shell gas station owners as possible, sell them the hardware and maybe the solar panels or whatever needed to put a charging station or two or three or four on site. And I, I just haven't heard much about that. No, me neither. And I, I'm with you. Uh, you know, these are massive, massive, massive companies with which making tons of money. And you'd think they would be uh, at the forefront of this. As you say, there's probably very good reasons why they're why they're not. But if you're making your money, not just from the gas, but also from people going in and buying, you know, one of those sausages that rotates for days on end, <laughs> yeah, <right>. then um, <laughs> then actually an EV makes more sense because in a gas car, it's like I'm done in two minutes. I pay at the pump. I'm gone. In an EV, you're parking up for like 20, 30 minutes waiting for it to charge. So you're about you're almost like psychologically compelled to go and buy, you know, a chocolate bar, some jerky, whatever, whatever, whatever takes your fancy. Right. Yeah. It seems it seems like especially the road trip ones, the ones the the the, the huge rest stop gas stations with, you know, 30 pumps or whatever the big one is on the way to Vegas. They have like a 50 pumps out there. It's like 50 pumps. But do they have any charging stations? I, I don't know. I never really stopped it to look. But um, there's a massive one at Baker. Yeah, there is, I think, on the way to Vegas. Yeah, there, there's you know, it's it, it's coming, but it's um. Yeah, it's it's a fascinating, it's an absolutely fascinating business, and I guess we're just looking at it mainly from the consumer perspective of like, how do you, you know, how do you navigate all of this? Yeah, and you know, there's just a lot of education. You know, what is a level two? What is a level three? Well, a level two is your home charger, but you know, you plug the Rivian into the charger I've got at home, which is actually a good system. And if the battery's flat, it's going to take like 30 hours to fully charge. Yeah, it's a 20, lot. Something to 30 hours, which is a long time. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, then you're on to the road and then it's okay. Now we're into a fast charge. What, what, so the first thing you ought to work out is what charger am I plugging into? So I'll give you, give you an example, which drives me nuts. LAX airport, you pull into the short-term parking and it's great. EV charging, great. It's like a level two charger like you have at home. So... Maybe you're going to like pick somebody up. You're going to be there half an hour. You plug it in, you're going to get 10 miles, 10, 15 miles, depending yeah. on what your vehicle is. Basically a waste of time. So you've got to work out like what charger is it. And then even with the fast chargers, is it 50, 150, 350? Well, if it's 50 kilowatts and you're in a truck or something, forget it. It's going to take too long. So you're looking for 150 or 350. Then you've got to look at what your vehicle can actually handle. So a Lightning, for example, will only charge it up to 150 kilowatts. Um, put all that together. Get yourself signed up to four or five different charging companies. Plug yourself in. Hope it works. And then, you know, 
go from there. So there's this massive education piece that comes with EV ownership, which is just, you know, a lot yeah. to a lot to take on board. Well, look, uh, uh, before you go on your road trip, you should take this podcast and uh, let your wife listen to it and then let her decide if she's going on that road trip with you or not. (laughs) This whole whole scenario sounds like it's the worst case scenario ever, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. I'm just saying there's there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Charge up your truck before you leave home. Have a couple of backup plans uh, for charging on the way. And, you know... It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Uh, I'm sounding super <laughs> negative, and I don't mean because I, I actually love EVs. And my wife has a, we have a Genesis GV60. We just swapped the Model 3 for the, the she loves it, absolutely loves the EV. And we use it mainly. And it was kind of funny when we initially looked at getting an EV. And this is our third EV. We've got a BMW i3 because we wanted it for the carpool lanes to commute. Then we got a Model 3. And then when we swapped the Model 3, the we're kind of bored of the Tesla, so we got the Genesis, which is great. Um, I remember my wife back in the day. It was like, well, well, what if I want a road? What if I want a road trip to Vegas? Yeah. And part of me was like, well, when was the last time you road trip to Vegas on your own without me? <laughs> it's like it doesn't. <laughs> but it's the psychology of it, isn't it? It's like, but if I want to, how am I going to handle that? Right. Right. I look, I, I was having a conversation with someone the other day and uh, I was heading out to Vegas and they said, are you going to take your truck, uh, the lightning? And I said, I, I, I just don't want to have to stop and charge it. And I mapped it out and I was like, it's 285 miles door to door for me to leave my warehouse to get to the hotel. It was 285 miles. And, you know, my lightning they say 300 miles doesn't get 300 miles. I think I get like 260, 265 you know, maybe closer to that 260 range on the low end uh, when I'm at just freeway speeds the whole time. And not only would I not make it, but there's also not enough room for like a little bit of a buffer. And I know you were saying it's your focus. Your goal is more of like a 50 mile buffer. Like, you know, at at 50 miles of range left, you're you're really ready to, to stop. Um, but for me, I was like, you know, at 15, 20 miles would would have been fine. So if if I got realistically 300, 310 miles on a charge, I would go straight to Vegas. I got 285 miles to go. If I rolled into the to the hotel with 15 miles left on my battery, it's fine. If I could charge at the hotel, which I looked it up, you can. Then. I I'd be okay. And then I would drive home and, but you need a little bit of room because especially like the Vegas run, if you come back on a Monday, it's a little safer than coming back on a Sunday. Cause everyone's coming back and all you need is one thing to happen and you're stuck in traffic and you're sitting there for an hour. And then how much battery is that going to take? And it's 115 degrees out and you got the air cranking, uh, you know, so you, you, it's nice to have that 50 mile buffer, but you know, you could probably get away with 20 miles of buffer. And then, yeah, if you get really in a big traffic jam, you're probably going to have to stop for, you know, 20 minutes and get a little extra charge. But yeah, that's kind of prevented me from taking my lightning to, to Vegas was I'd like to be able to do it in one trip, even if I didn't do it in one trip, but it'd be better to not stop. See, the other thing, Matt, we haven't, talked about yet is just the cost of fast charging 
So there's a lot of there's a lot of rhetoric around EVs save you a bunch of money in fuel. And they do if you charge them at home in right. a kind of off-peak and you set up your electricity usage deal to to reflect the fact you've got an EV and charge it at the right time and stuff. Then you will save a ton of money. Maybe it'll be half as much as, as running equivalent gas car. But if you're using the fast chargers, they're pretty expensive. And one of my one of my coworkers, Clint Simone, took the Tesla on a took Tesla, took the Rivian on a long trip. And I've just got the, the details in front of me. He spent like 206 bucks on electricity with a mix of Electrify America and EV Go, which he worked out at 22 cents per mile. Then he did a conversion that said, okay, if I had done the same trip in a Toyota Tacoma, which is a slightly smaller trip, but similar, similar sort of size, he reckoned it would have been 24 cents a mile. So you're only really saving two cents a mile, which, you know, it's a couple of bucks, isn't it? It's not really. And so that's, that's also the thing that people have got to wrap their head around that yeah. if you're going to rely on fast charging, you're not going to really save any money. It's depressing this, isn't yeah, it? Because public we, charging like, isn't, isn't public charging is not cheap for the most part. No. Like and if you're out here in LA and you live in an apartment complex and there is a charger in your garage, it's very likely that they're charging a premium for it and it's really slow. And and then you people want to leave their car there overnight, but then other tenants are like, Hey man, there's only two of these things. And if you leave it overnight and and you're you got a full charge after six hours. Like, wh what are you doing for the another four hours? You know, just taking up space. Uh, yeah, and, like I went to I went to shopping mall and like somebody's like parked it up off they've gone shopping, and it's like, yeah, thanks. Yeah, right. I <laughs> we're, so we're not quite there yet. I I charge but, in my warehouse here where I come to work, and you know I, I've said this a number of times on the podcast. There's a line item on my bill where they're charging me more to offset the discounts at residential. There's no discount for commercial. And I said, how can I monitor this and get a discount? And they said, you would have to have a meter installed just for the charger so we can just bill out that device. They said, otherwise, we have no way of, of getting you on like an EV program unless you had a dedicated meter here. And I was like, well, well, I've got plugs all over the place. I can't install a meter. Plus I rent the warehouse. What am I going to do? Call the landlord and go, Hey, let's get a meter in here. Let's, let's start cutting up the walls. And, and that's, that's not going to fly. So there wasn't really a scenario. So yeah. And, and it's, it's still cheaper for me to charge in my warehouse than it would be throwing, you know, a credit card into the public stations, but not nearly as cheap as if I did it at home and got on the right program with, you know, whatever our utility company is out here. Yeah. Yeah. And once you've paid the money to to install it, you're, you're off and running. But then there's all sorts of stuff like, have you got enough, have you got enough space in your, uh, in your fuse box? What's the Americanism for fuse box? Yeah, well, here breaker box, breaker, the, the breaker, breaker box. Is. Yeah, where the circuit there you go. Still yeah. learning the language. Five yeah. years, still learning the language. Yeah, have <laughs> you got like a fifty amp breaker, which is probably what you need? So if you're running like an electric cooker and you've got a electric heater and stuff, and it's all eating up your eating up your uh, your current, then you're going to need a you know you're going to need a dedicated breaker and stuff for your EV. So there's tons of stuff. The good thing is I'm going to give you a little plug here. 
uh, if you go to edmunds.com slash EV, we actually have a ton of information which is has been written specifically to kind of guide you through this process. So I don't want to sound like too negative. I feel like we spent half an hour bemoaning the system. <laughs> um, you know, EVs are generally great, uh, but I like you driving do need my to truck. do your homework. You like driving your truck. I yeah. do. I like driving my truck. I, I, I've been driving it for a while, and then I just um, grabbed the press car, which is super fun. I got the Toyota Supra, I got the three liter, I got the manual transmission, um, and it's fun to drive, but it's not fun to get in and out of. <laughs> It's you realize like God, this car is small and you have to like kick the door open as far as you can go just to kind of pour yourself roll out uh, into it. It was like and I kind of forgot like what a tiny sports car was was going to be like again. Um, and as much fun as it is to drive it, it it takes the livability away. Now, I'm not saying that's the difference between gas and EV. I'm saying that's the difference between tiny sports car and massive F-150 uh maybe it's know. just an age thing you know yeah i maybe it's just an age thing although you were just looking into your coffee mug like someone was playing a joke on you like there's a a dead a bug in there or a gummy bear or a toy <laughs> that one of your it, kids threw in there you just looked at it with a look like well have i been drinking this the whole time <laughs> this is this is actually a cup of english english tea that i'm drinking i've also been been um it's it's a gadget. It's, it sounds like a plug, and I'm not I'm not being I'm not an influencer being paid to say this, but I've got one of these um, ember mugs. You know, ones that keeps you keeps you drink warm. Have I, you seen I, these things? I I trust you on it. I don't I don't drink. This is a weird thing. I don't like drinking hot liquid. <laughs> so it, I, I I don't drink coffee. I don't drink hot tea. It's like I don't even get soup all that much. But it's just like I'm just not down with the hot liquid. But I like the idea. Like like you know, we're doing a show. It's an hour long. Yeah. You know, need a little pick me up. This mug will keep it warm for an hour. It's a genius invention. It's you see, it's, I wasn't even wasn't even smart. paid to say that. Well, um, maybe Edmund should come out with coffee mugs uh, exactly. for the road the road trip coffee mug. Um, what else do we got? What else is going on now that we just bash the EV world or the charging network? Uh, you know, we're there's got to be something more exciting. Uh, <laughs> and I'll come back next week and tell you that actually the whole thing was dead easy. Everything worked. Kids loved it. Had a great vacation. And I, listen, I hope so. That's what it was. I hope that's what's going on. Um, yeah. It's or, not earlier a story, this story, but I hope it was. <laughs> yeah. Listen, earlier this week, I, I, I talked with Goldberg on the podcast and told him I drove the $800,000 Gateway Bronco, uh, which um, was super fun. Uh all carbon fiber body, full-time all-wheel drive, ABS brakes, Coyote engine, uh, 800,000 is a little, little rich for me or everyone except for Post Malone, apparently, who ordered one. But uh, really nice to drive, a lot of fun. $800,000 is a big number. Uh, they're selling them. They're selling. There's a guy around the corner does beautiful conversions. They're about a hundred grand. It's almost like a little pet project for him. And every time he trundles past him, I think I really want that. But hundred grand is still yeah. A, still well, a, drive the eight hundred thousand dollar one. I haven't driven the hundred thousand dollar one. For me now, it sounds like that's got to be the biggest hunk of garbage. Yeah. <laughs> the hundred thousand dollar because it hasn't got a carbon fiber body. Yeah, because that's. But, but by the way, the non carbon fiber body version of the, the of their trucks is five hundred thousand. So, uh, uh, and they've had made a lot of revisions over the years that they've been making to the chassis, to the steering, to the handling, the 
suspension calibration, the exhaust note, like things that improve it over time that are kind of necessary versus building a, a one-off kind of hot rod. So um, anyway, that was kind of fun. It, it's uh, I'm at the risk of one-upmanship. Alpha this morning, just yeah. as we're about to come on air, unveil the uh, legendary 33 Stradale, which is an homage to the Tipo 33, which is probably one of the most beautiful cars ever made uh, from the 1960s. If you don't know what that looks like, just Google Alpha Tipo, T-I-P-O 33. It's a, it's a stunning car. And they're going to build this. They're sort of getting into this sort of bespoke right. craftsmanship idea. They're going to they're gonna build... Uh, how many are they going to build? I think it's. I think it's a very small. It's uh, extreme. I, I, I think they're going to build thirty-three. I, I think they're the going to be thirty-three of them. Yeah, they're going to uh, build thirty-three. Cute. They're going to be. They're all sold apparently. So even before they've announced, even before they revealed it, they're all being secretly sold to collectors. Three, about just over three million dollars, and you have a choice of either a six twenty horsepower V six twin turbo or a seven hundred and fifty horsepower electric powertrain. Be super interesting to see where people go, where like the residual values are and everything else. It looks incredible, and I saw the pictures without really realizing what it was. I thought, "Wow, that's, that's sensational!" And then I went, "Ah, oh, but it's thirty-three million dollars," and it's like, "All right." I, I I've got I got thoughts on the engine, and I think this has maybe come up before on one of the other podcasts we've done. Um, collectability these these type of like supercars and when you when you look at things like mclaren p1 and la ferrari and you hear about some of the 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 battery issues replacement batteries like i know someone's gone through i think three batteries in the la ferrari and you know warranty work on the la ferrari and chargers not working and it's it's because the cars aren't really the batteries and stuff are not designed to just sit for months on end and then occasionally grab a weekend and go to cars and coffee or, or, you know, run an errand or something. Uh, whereas we use most of our other EVs as daily drivers. Uh, so the idea of going, Hey, here's a $3 million supercar. You're going to put it in your collection. You're going to not drive it at all or occasionally drive it. What happens to this this big battery and you know that's that's in this thing? Because already we're sitting and taking all of our twelve volt batteries and put them on trickle chargers and still have to replace them. And and well, what about a battery that's you know five hundred thousand dollars on the bottom of a three million dollar car? Like what happens there? So I don't know that we figured that out yet. And I don't know that these companies are ready to step up with sort of warranty and, 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 you know, for the collector. Yeah. I mean, the like, is there a typically 10 like million eight. or 20? Yeah. Is there a 10 year or 20 year warranty on the battery? Right. Which would solve uh, the issue maybe as a collector. But my thought is these crazy supercars that are coming out, the hybrids and the, you know, and the EVs I'm, I'm still down, not that I can afford any of it. I'm down with the gas engine version. If you said, order this alpha, I go, I don't care how fast the electric version is. Give me the gas engine version. It's going to sound fantastic. It's going to make all the right noises. It's going to be plenty fast. And I think it's ultimately going to have the resale value compared to the EV version. 
I, I'm going to play so unless you've got a really rich collector who wants one of each, and that's entirely possible. <laughs> it is entirely possible. I reckon possible. entirely possible this level of market. I reckon they'll sell no EV versions. You but really think just, so? That's just that's just a hunch for all, all the reasons that you that all the seasons that you've. But you don't think someone's going to go, hey, for $3 million, I want the 750 horsepower version versus the anemic 620 horsepower version with the well, gas engine. The thing is, for $3 million, you can get a pin in Farina and get a 1700 horsepower supercar. Yeah. But then you're probably buying you're probably buying both. I was talking to the Hennessy guys in, uh, I can't remember if I said this last week, I was talking to the Hennessy guys up in, up in Pebble Beach. And they were telling me that so one one of their customers had bought two, one to keep three million dollars each, one to keep as an investment, one to drive. <laughs> I thought that's so cool. I, um, listen, I, it it's it's funny because like even the Gateway Bronco guys, I said, how many Broncos have you sold? They said, oh, like one hundred and fifty. And they go, well, how many of this new eight hundred thousand horsepower, eight hundred thousand dollar one versus your four five hundred thousand? And he goes, well. We've only been announced it for the week since Monterey. We've already got 12 orders. And I think almost almost every, probably 10 of the 12 orders are from existing customers that already have the half a million dollar one. Yeah. And, and I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> you know, so it, I, why, why not? If you have the means, if you have $6 million and you want two, $3 million Alfa Romeos, God bless you. Yeah, it does look, if you haven't <laughs> seen it, Google it, it looks... It is. It is the, cool. Thirty-three Stadale. It looks staggeringly beautiful. It's quite rare these days that you get a bit old and cynical. It's quite rare that you something like jumps out on Instagram and you go, "Wow!" And it it doesn't look quite like the supercars that we're seeing now. And there's a lot of similar kind of design features. I mean, I get it. It's still a car, right? It's got four wheels. It's got a swoopy nose, and you know big side vents and stuff. And by the way, looking at this design with the big vents in the back that feed the, uh, the gas engine, what do you think it looks like for the EV? Do they plug those things up? Do they go to different coolers, battery differential? I wonder how they make that work. But as you said, there, each one of these is going to be a bespoke car. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting. It's um, I'm sure we'll never yeah. see one in person. So it's fine. <laughs> this is also well maybe at, maybe at monterey next year yeah maybe maybe uh, at the coil next year <laughs> it, it's it's a crazy thing it it's a fascinating thing about you know this 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 whole market you know talking to singer as well you know singer has stopped making naturally aspirated car well they're still completing orders but they you can't order a naturally aspirated singer so suddenly your 400 grand investment now looks absolutely rock solid right so it's just I don't know. The only thing, the only thing is like I, I really love all the craziness of it all and everything else. But I just, you know, it's just a shame for me that I mean the Alphas like you know their new car is the Tonale, which is like okay as a small SUV. I don't think they'll sell money over here. It's too small, you know. And so it's like yeah, it's a great image leader, and a few rich people are going to buy and collect it, and very nice. But come on, do something for do something for like fifty grand, sixty grand that you know the rest of us can buy. Right. All they're saying is it's a terrible time to be poor. And uh, meanwhile, the rest of us are like, uh, you know, like my my brother is shopping for a small SUV and there's a lot of good stuff out there. Uh, you know, he's not looking at a three million dollar Alfa Romeo. He's looking at a thirty one thousand dollar, 
you know, SUV. Uh, yeah, so we we need to talk more about that as well. I, I think next next week we will do small SUVs. Small we will SUVs. Do sensible, we need a buying guide. More, more sensible the... consumer advice. <laughs> yes, uh, we we need sort of the 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 buying advice, the buying guide for the for the small SUV. I think uh, that's an episode he's going to be looking forward to. Uh, all right, what do you say? We're going to wrap things up for today. Sure. Um, as I said, if you want to read more about all the EV stuff, edmunds.com slash EV, there's a whole sort of buyer's guide, loads of stuff in there, which we, we put together, which is designed to answer all of these questions and, you know, take the, uh, take some, if not all of the heat out of it. So, um, and all our Rivian stuff is also up there as well about living with the, living with the Rivian. I think we've got six EVs in our long-term test fleet. I think that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everything from Ford Mackey, a Lightning like Matt's, Lucid, Rivian, and all of them detail actually what these things are like to live with. Yeah. So there you go. That's the plug. I, I'm 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 definitely curious to get your download on the uh, on the Rivian road trip experience. Ne- just I mean, not week, just I, I, the, not really just the charging infrastructure issues, but just spending that time in the Rivian. I mean, is is the Rivian worth you know trading my Lightning in for at some point? I don't know. Mm. Maybe I think I'm going to do a little, a few little videos as we go along. So not a full vacation, and maybe we can we can play those next week. Uh, all right, guys, thanks so much for listening. Uh, until next week, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Carcast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarcastShow.com, and don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere. Visit highland.com.